Chapter Twenty Nine of Charlotte Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Charlotte Temple by Susanna Rosen. Chapter Twenty Nine. We go forward again. The strength of Charlotte's constitution combated against her disorder, and she began slowly to recover. Though she still labored under a violent depression of spirits, how must that depression be increased when, upon examining her little store, she found herself reduced to one solitary guinea, and that during her illness the attendance of an apothecary and nurse, together with many other unavoidable expenses, had involved her in debt, from which she saw no method of extricating herself. As to the faint hope. Which she had entertained of hearing from and being relieved by her parents, it now entirely forsook her, for it was above four months since her letter was dispatched, and she had received no answer. She therefore imagined that her conduct had either entirely alienated their affection from her, or broken their hearts, and she must never more hope to receive their blessing. Never did any human being wish for death with greater fervency or with juster cause. Yet she had too just a sense of the duties of the Christian religion to attempt to put a period to her own existence. I have but to be patient a little longer, she would cry, and nature, fatigue, and fainting will throw off this heavy load of mortality. And I shall be released from all my sufferings. It was one cold, stormy day in the latter end of December, as Charlotte sat by a handful of fire, the low state of her finances not allowing her to replenish her stock of fuel, and prudence teaching her to be careful of what she had, when she was surprised by the entrance of a farmer's wife, who, without much ceremony, seated herself. And began this curious harangue. I'm come to see as if how you can pay your rent, because as how we hear Captain Montreal's gone away, and it's fifty to one if he bein' killed afore he comes back again, and then, miss or ma'am, or whatever you may be, as I was sayin' to my husband, where are we to look for our money? This was a stroke altogether unexpected by Charlotte. She knew so little of the ways of the world that she had never bestowed a thought on the payment for the rent of the house. She knew indeed that she owed a good deal, but this was never reckoned among the others. She was thunderstruck. She hardly knew what answer to make. Yet it was absolutely necessary that she should say something. And judging of the gentleness of every female disposition by her own, she thought the best way to interest the woman in her favor would be to tell her candidly to what a situation she was reduced, and how little probability there was of her ever paying anybody. Alas, poor Charlotte! How confined was her knowledge of human nature, or she would have been convinced that the only way to ensure the friendship. An assistance of your surrounding acquaintance is to convince them you do not require it, for when once the petrifying aspect of distress and penury appear, whose qualities, like Medusa's head, 
can change to stone all that look upon it. When once this gorgon claims acquaintance with us, the phantom of friendship that before courted our notice will vanish into unsubstantial air, and the whole world before us appear a barren waste. Pardon me, ye dear spirits of benevolence, whose benign smiles and cheerful giving hand have strewn sweet flowers on many a thorny path through which my wayward fate forced me to pass. Think not that, in condemning the unfeeling texture of the human heart, I forget the spring from whence flow all the comforts I enjoy. Oh, no, I look up to you as to bright constellations, gathering new splendors from the surrounding darkness. But, ah, whilst I adore the benignant rays that cheered and illuminated my heart, I mourn that their influence cannot extend to all the sons and daughters of affliction. Indeed, ma'am, said poor Charlotte in a tremulous accent, I am at a loss what to do. Montreville placed me here, and promised to defray all my expenses. But he has forgot his promise. He has forsaken me, and I have no friend who has either power or will to relieve me. Let me hope, as you see my unhappy situation, your charity. Charity? cried the woman impatiently, interrupting her. Charity, indeed! Why, mistress, charity begins at home, and I have seven children at home, honest, lawful children, and it is my duty to keep them. And do you think I will give away my property to a nasty, imprudent hussy to maintain her and her bastard? And I was saying to my husband the other day, what will this world come to? Honest women are nothing nowadays, while the harlotins are set up for fine ladies and look upon us no more nor the dirt they walk upon. But let me tell you, my fine-spoken ma'am, I must have me money, so seeing as how you can't pay it, why you must troop, and leave all your fine gimcracks and foldy rolls behind you. I don't ask for no more nor more right, and nobody shall dare for it to go for to hinder me of it. Oh, heavens! cried Charlotte, clasping her hands. What will become of me? Come on, ye, retorted the unfeeling wench. Why, go to the barracks and walk for a morsel of bread. Wash and mend the soldiers' cloths and cook their victuals and not expect to live in idleness on honest people's means. Oh, I wish I could see the day when all such cattle were obliged to work hard and eat little. It's only what they deserve. Father of mercy, cried Charlotte, I acknowledge thy correction just, but prepare me, I beseech thee, for the portion of misery thou mayest please to lay upon me. Well, said the woman, I shall go and tell my husband and how you can't pay, and so do you see, ma'am, get ready to be packing away this very night, for you should not stay another night in this house, though I was sure you would lay in the street. Charlotte bowed her head in silence, but the anguish of her heart was too great to permit her to articulate a single word.
End of chapter 29. Recording by Susan Burke. SueBurkeVoice.com.